Who has capital? What is it? When can we access it? Where's it at? How should we use it? Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. In today's episode, we will be discussing the infinite banking concept as conceived and described in R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and capital. Now, I would like to start from a layperson's approach to addressing what capital is. Let's start with a very simple scenario of dog training. I love having a family dog. We've had one my entire life, even from the time that I was growing up. I enjoyed being around dogs, and I took a fairly early interest in training dogs. And currently, my wife and I and our two sons and our daughter, we enjoy an eight-year-old now, German Shepherd. Beautiful, handsome dog. We did some legwork up front, and this is not me just being relatable, but I really am starting in on this idea of capital and capitalizing, okay? And we selected a, a puppy early on that seemed to meet our needs because of his and wants because of his breed, but also because of his demeanor in watching the the litter pups and choosing one that I felt would would match our family dynamics. And sure enough, it turned out to be the case that we picked one that was assertive and protective and energetic, but laid back enough to be able to enjoy things. So what I'm saying and describing to you is that I read books, that I listened to firsthand accounts, that I drove to the farm where I could see the mother and the father of the puppy that I might would be choosing. And not only that, but I watched the litter and got to observe the characters and the demeanors of each of these individual puppies and made my selection. And then from there on, I used what I had learned before even getting the puppy, and I paid for him, a goodly price, fair price, but a goodly price. And for the next several months, first couple of years to be sure, I was very, very focused on training to have a well-mannered, well-socialized, obedient, and fun family dog. And to be sure, that's what we had. So what I'm saying and trying to describe here is that something that's very relatable to the layperson, such as getting a family dog, and connecting what that looks like in either vetting the infinite banking concept or practicing, if you're already a client, practicing the infinite banking concept. I studied, I read, I listened, I had, you know, first head, first-hand conversations with individuals that already had that breed, and of course with the owners who had had the parents of the dog that I was choosing, and then on and on and on, the time and the effort and the sweat that went into training consistently you know, for the things that I wanted to be able to enjoy in a family dog. And now he's he's completely obedience trained, very well mannered, great with other dogs, great with other animals, great with children, great with everything that that we've encountered as a family. And we're we're a fairly active family. So what I'm saying there is the capitalization of dog training up front has allowed us now you know, what we did in those first months or first couple of years 
now has allowed us to enjoy year after year after year after year of benefits and enjoyment and fun and uh, protection and everything that it was that we wanted in our family dog. So that was a capitalization of owning a dog. Let's have another example. I've already spoken about my family, so children are an easy subject to come right in on. If we even look at a nine-month pregnancy, well, there's a capitalization right there before we even get to enjoy uh, the baby in this outside world. You know, a child is growing and developing for nine months up to their birth. So there's most certainly a capitalization phase there. And then, of course, we're we're spending time and nurturing and caring for and teaching and, and growing this child. And there are definitely, and my parents, you're going to understand, years and years of capitalizing, teaching our children the, the values and, and the abilities and just everything that comes into rearing a child. There's a lot of capitalization up front, but again, the, the benefits that we enjoy as parents when we see them doing well and having success and interacting well and all these different things that, that are probably important to all of us, it's very, very enjoyable. But to be sure, we can recognize that there was a lot of work that went into that. There was a lot of, hopefully, intent, purpose, direction. So there was a capitalization phase in child rearing. What about college? To be sure... I know this from my own experience. I, I studied for years in college, becoming bilingual in another language, Spanish. So the books that I had to read, the conversations that I had, the, I ended up traveling abroad. Everything that I did that was groundwork for what I was expecting thereafter to be able to use professionally. Now, what I'm saying here is I capitalized four years of my life learning and becoming very proficient in a skill that I did not earn with, but with the full expectation that it would in the future uh, be a part of my abilities, my skill set that I could leverage for income, or at the very least, a skill set that I could use for my own personal enjoyment in traveling to Spanish-speaking countries or, or even having friendships and, and going to deeper levels of literal discussion uh, with friendships right here in the United States, of course. So that was something that I think we can all understand is a capitalization phase. We, we spend some time, and that could be walked out to skills learned in apprenticing with someone or somewhere. It could go to internships that would be the same case where there is perhaps you know not a payment being made for the time or effort because it very well may be unskilled effort that's being exerted but we could be apprenticing behind someone or we could be interning with a company or we could be studying something wherein actually we would be paying for that and that very well may be an important point i believe uh, certainly it speaks to having skin in the game. Certainly it does speak to this subject that we are talking about, which is capital. And that means we therefore have to talk about capitalization. Capitalizing an, an apprenticeship 
Capitalizing an internship, capitalizing a college or a university experience is a great example. Relationships, you know, right here I go back to my youth where I lived and, and breathed an opportunity to be able to go out and have a date with my girlfriend, then girlfriend, now wife, and just being able to have the ability to go out to a movie, a nice dinner. That was my impetus I wanted to be able to spend time. I wanted to be able to develop that relationship. I wanted to be able to go out and have adventures and do fun things so that we could grow together as two people in that relationship. And again, that worked out really well for me. Uh, we will be 14 years married this year. We courted right at seven years uh, through our college experience and in and, and our early years in life. I had that great benefit. And to be sure, in speaking of that, which is not necessarily, I'm sure some uh, courted or dated longer, some courted or dated less, but either way, there was a capitalization phase of, you know, and I did it very, very, not just willingly with, with, with great happiness. It brought me great pleasure to be able to drive us somewhere, enjoy that movie, enjoy that uh, nice dinner, whatever the case was that we were you know, spending time together and, and I would pay for that and I would set my my time aside for that. And, and so did so did my wife, my then girlfriend. You know, she would buy me gifts if, if there was an occasion. We would do things together. We would share our time together. So what I'm saying is and describing is a capitalization phase for an even greater benefit in the future. And to be sure, you know, my lovely wife, my darling wife, has brought a great joy to my life. And we are reaping the benefits of that capitalization phase in our in our courtship. So I hope that these examples have put us in the frame of mind where I can now ask the question, wouldn't it be preposterous then to expect that when I purchased my two-month-old puppy or whatever he was, wouldn't it be preposterous that at that moment I would expect him to be able to sit stay, come, fetch, load up in the truck, all these different things that I now get to enjoy with our Ajax, that's his name, at two months old. That would be a preposterous expectation. What about in a relationship? What if my wife and I, then girlfriend, would have married on the first day that we met? That would be a preposterous, for, for lots of folks at least, that would be a, an absolutely absurd expectation. Children, they're not, they're not exactly born fully capable as they will be in later years in the beginning. Again, my parents know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating just what kind of expectation we should have, realization that I hope that we arrive at in vetting, considering, learning, and understanding what it means to become your own banker, what it means to vet and then therefore practice the infinite banking concept. What we practice with is capital, and that's the subject of the day. And in talking about capital, we should talk about capitalization, because what you'll find out is that the tool that we're using a properly structured whole life policy with a mutual company that pays a dividend has value day one. In fact, it has more value 
than what we initiate that entity with. Here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, to be sure, our first month or our first quarter or our first half of a year or our first annual premium will be minuscule in comparison with what the future death benefit will be. Okay? So, heaven forbid that a policy matures with someone's passing in that first month, half a year, year, quarter, whatever the case may be. But if that is the case, and we should, it's appropriate to address our need for having a death benefit to replace incomes, to replace you know, the financial burden that could be experienced otherwise, of course, that, that shouldn't be glossed over. But the amount of premium that was paid to initiate that unilateral contract with the insurance company, that amount of premium that started that will be minuscule in comparison to that future death benefit. So what we have capitalized is a tax-free transfer of wealth to our heirs or our, our beneficiaries. That, that's what we have leveraged for ourselves by using our capital and capitalizing it. Now, also, simultaneously, in that scenario, when we pay a premium into a policy that we privately own and control, we immediately have that death benefit guaranteed. Yes, we also immediately have access to the cash values of the policy. Now, the cash value in the very beginning of a policy is not going to be dollar for dollar equal to the premiums that have been paid. And that is what is demonstrating the capitalization phase of the policy. Now, if you've not read R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, I highly encourage you to read that. If you have, read it again. What we're talking about here is the grocery store. What we're talking about here is exactly what a conventional bank does, there is a capitalization phase, which ultimately, of course, over the span of one's lifetime is going to yield dramatic results, better than could be anticipated or understood in the beginning of practicing this concept. But the 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 point I would like to make also about cash values and uh, their comparison to premiums that are paid, especially in the beginning, because it does flip eventually. In the beginning, we pay, let's say it's uh, 10. And I don't care if we're talking about $10, 10,000, 10 million, 10. Just for purposes of example. In the beginning, when I'm ready to make a policy loan, if I'm financing a vehicle or whatever the case may be, I'm not going to be able to access dollar for dollar all of my premium. There is a capitalization phase. I will be able to access a goodly. <laughs> Again, we're dealing with high cash value policies here that also pay a dividend with guaranteed growth and so many other different attributes that we can address if need be. But I will not be able to access 100% of the premiums. However, let's make sure that we're not interpreting that as a loss of value. Yes, there is a loss of liquidity. I cannot access 100% of that right away. 
However, there's not a loss of value because, again, go back to the scenario of what does the death benefit equal in the event that it needs to be used, meaning that someone passes and the policy matures and your beneficiaries receive a considerably much larger amount of capital themselves, tax-free also, which is in vast excess of the premium that you would have paid. So there's no loss of value. Yes, there is a temporary loss of liquidity. And what you will see is that year after year, that capitalization becomes more and more efficient to where you gain a greater and a greater access to the amount of premiums that you have paid. And then, because ultimately, if you'll, if you'll just think of the logic here, ultimately, when this policy matures, it must reach the face value. It must reach the death benefit value of the policy, of the contract. So if, if we start here, but it eventually must equal what the face amount is of the policy, then that means as the policy matures and becomes more and more efficient, that the guaranteed access that you have to capital will exceed the amount of premiums that you are paying. So again, very generic example here, but if, if you will look at your policy as a business, let's take vending machines as an example, and you could put in your 10, remember again, I don't care if we're talking about $10, 10,000, 10 million, doesn't matter. If you could put in your 10 and in the beginning, still get access immediately right back to a percentage of that. I don't want to get bogged down in the numbers here, but a, but a goodly portion of that. Again, we're dealing with high cash value policies here for the purpose of banking, for the purpose of you using your capital. And that's our subject. What if the vending machine in its more efficient years began putting out multiples of that 10? Listen to what I'm saying. Hear what I'm actually saying. What if in the future you knew that by using today's dollars, you could be creating multiples that you would be able to access for your need for finance? So in considering capital, what it is, also recognizing that there is a capitalization phase, let's move on to some deeper subjects here. Let me ask the question, where is your capital? And by capital, again, don't, don't confuse what I'm trying to say. Don't misunderstand me. I want to speak clearly, but I'm using the vernacular that we should be using when talking about our money. We all have cash flows, big or small, doesn't matter. We all have cash flows, money that comes to us, money that we send out for different things. Capital is always going to be put somewhere. So my question is, is where do you put your capital? Commercial banks, qualified plans. There are lots of answers that you could have here for your individual case. My question there is, let's consider Willie Sutton's law from Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Why is there the Willie Sutton law? He was an infamous outlaw. Well, because people would either legally or illegally like to separate us from our money. So Willie Sutton 
would rob banks. And when asked why, 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 why did he choose to be a bank robber? He would just say, well, because that's where they put the money. <laughs> that's where they have the money at. So that's why I robbed banks, because that's where the money was. So legally or illegally, if we will recognize that people would like to separate us from our capital, from our money, I believe we should consider or reconsider where it is that we put it there and why. Because if we say that those who get our money, that get our capital, the places where we park it or deposit it are the conventional banks, are the qualified plans, etc., then we should recognize that by parking it there, another rule, another law is going to apply, and that is use it or lose it. Everything that we do in life is financed. Either we're paying someone interest, such as in a commercial bank, a conventional bank, if we park our money there, or if we use their loans to go out and buy the cars and the boats or the ATVs or the what have you, anything that we're going to finance conventionally, we're going to be paying them interest for that. Likewise, if we park our money somewhere, let's say in a qualified plan, for example, an IRA, a 401k, any sort of qualified plan, then we are abdicating the opportunity to earn interest on our money. We are forfeiting that. So either we are paying interest to someone else or we are forfeiting the opportunity to earn interest on our capital. So let's think about who it is that we are giving our capital to. And let's remember, like Nash said, who the characters are in the play. Because banking just is. It is happening. Okay, We're either paying interest or we're forfeiting the opportunity to earn interest. That's just going to happen, no matter whether we conventionally finance things or whether we pay cash. That will always be the case. Until we recognize what's happening, and we can seek to change that by putting ourselves in the position of banking for ourselves, for our family, for our business, for our investing. Now, when should we capitalize? When is it appropriate to capitalize? Well, I believe that we can look to nature for the answer to this one. When's the best time to plant a tree? Just here recently, uh, my sons and my wife and I, we've been walking around on our property. And in this time of year, we have figs, for example. Well, that fig tree was not planted this year for us to be able to enjoy those figs. So again, my question is, is when's the best time to plant a tree to answer when's the best time to capitalize? Well, the answer would be 20 years ago. That would be the best time to have planted a tree. But when's the next best time then? Because I want to be very optimistic, purposeful, intentional, and also pragmatic today. Today, we're never as healthy as we are as today. We're never as young as we are today. We do have a need for a death benefit. We do have a need for finance. And that's where we'll put our focus at. But these are relevant and appropriate and necessary things to consider. So when is it best to capitalize? 20 years ago, but the next best time is today. Who are we currently capitalizing with? Who are the actors in the play? Who has possession of our capital? Or to whom are we beholden? 
Where is it that we are currently bleeding out volumes of interest to others that we've financed with? How about why have capital? Why have capital? Why have money? Well, let's remember now the golden rule. In Nash's book, he talks about the golden rule means he who has the gold makes the rules. See, if we will systematically amass capital in an entity that we own and control that does a lot of things for us, many things for us, it doesn't leave us beholden to someone else's terms, condition, conditions, uh, bleeding out of interest, red tape, paperwork, background checks, what have you. It doesn't leave us beholden to some third party. Also, it puts us in a position of ability. Whether times are good or times are rough, whether things are up or things are down, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, we know that there are seasons in life, whether it's boom, whether it's bust, it's always better to be in a position of having capital. In fact, let's ask a, a subsequent question. Can you have too much capital? For myself, I'll only speak for myself here, I will say it's impossible for me to have too much capital. And also, it's impossible for me to have too much access to capital. Let's think about a business. Now, what position is going to put a business on more solid ground? To have capital and access, free access to it, liberal access to it? Or a business that is undercapitalized, doesn't have the funds, doesn't have the money to be able to grow or expand, which is going to be better? Well, naturally, what's going to cause more business failures than anything else is going to be undercapitalization. So just food for thought when considering your capital and why to capitalize, and how to capitalize, and where to capitalize, when to capitalize, all these, the who, what, when, where, why's. I just think that these are great questions to ask ourselves concerning our capital and considering capitalization, where to do it, when to do it, how to do it, why to do it. Now, I would say that if you're in the position of vetting the idea of practicing infinite banking, that you very well may have heard or picked up on vernacular that talks about overfunded life insurance. I would, I would like to mention that because realistically, practically, it's impossible to overfund, and there are other terms, but overfund a policy. You see, a policy is going to be written within the guidelines of the state for example, you know, there is a commissioner of insurance and there are laws to be followed. And of course, you know, based off of age and health and certain things uh, are, are going to be the parameters for someone to obtain this unilateral contract, to be able to obtain a whole life policy. And then, yes, it should be properly structured for the banking purpose and it should be with a mutual company. It should be, you know, with a company that's consecutively paid a dividend for years and years and years. I'm talking about well over 100 years. And you therefore can't overfund it. You can't overpay for the insurance. That's not how insurance works. Not insurance described the way that I'm talking here. That both provides a death benefit naturally because we're using whole life insurance 
for this entity, but it also has a high cash value. Now that will be the more appropriate term, high cash value whole life policies with a mutual company that pays a dividend. Okay. Yes, these policies should be properly structured, which means that you should be working with someone who uh, practices this concept themselves with someone who is proficient in understanding that you will have specific needs, that this is not a cookie cutter. It shouldn't be a cookie cutter approach to the idea of practicing infinite banking. But no, it should be based just like Nash says in his books for your need for finance immediately. The policy should be structured to be able to begin immediately putting you on your path of uh, uh, approaching your need of finance. It won't happen immediately that you'll be able to satisfy the need of finance that you have for your entire financial footprint. Absolutely. You know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. And yet, it should also be structured in a way to satisfy our long-range goals. Nash told us we should be thinking and planning and acting intergenerationally. So we should have a long-range approach to this as well. So you can't be overfunding a policy. You can only put so many premium dollars into policies that you own and control. And and ultimately, that is the case, that when when you understand infinite banking and your need for finance and, and everything that's espoused and laid out in Nash's book, you will understand that you want to be able to accommodate your entire financial footprint and your need for finance with policies that you own and control. And that will take time. It will take time. There will be a capitalization phase like we've been discussing in this episode. Yes, you want to be working with a competent individual, somebody who also practices this idea. You know, as for myself, my wife and I have multiple policies with multiple companies. We pay significant premiums for us. And we have used our policies in the ways that we describe here in that we've paid off and recaptured student loan debt. We, we have financed vacations as a family through our privatized banking system and lots of other things, whether it was for, for personal use or business use. We've actually practiced this idea ourselves for years as consumers only uh, before we begin to professionally mentor and teach and coach people on the idea that you could become your own banker, as described in R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. So when you realize that there is this constant growth curve in a policy that must eventually culminate in the face amount of the policy, when would you want to start that? Okay, when would you want to start that? Also, if you recognize that, look at the, look at the opposite. Look at something that's conventionally financed in the beginning of anything that's conventionally financed, let's say it's a vehicle, the greatest amount of interest is paid out to the lender. And and remember, it's, it's true, obviously, right? The borrower is servant to the lender. So the greatest amount of interest is being paid out, and then it will taper out over time. When you realize that, how soon would you want to start recapturing that capital, that interest that you're paying out to others 
for your household, for your business, for your investment purposes, for whatever it is that you're already doing, how would you? How soon would you want to be able to recapture that back into your family? So if you recognize that that's how conventional loans and such work, and if you realize how a policy grows day after day, on weekends, holidays, through pandemics, recessions, global shutdown, just all these different things that can happen, when would you want that to start? So remember with me that banking just is. And when we can figure out what is happening with our capital, what it is, where it goes, when we do or don't have access to our capital, all these other questions that we could be asking about it. And when we do settle in the in the concept of a capitalization phase for lots of worthwhile things and the infinite banking concept to be included in that, when would we want to start? Ultimately, ultimately, we're either going to live or we're going to die. If we live and we practice the infinite banking concept, we start recapturing interest. We keep control and access in our hands over our capital. We, we, we take capitalization serious and we begin to capitalize our own privatized banking system. How much better off are we going to be? in our household, in our business, in our investing. And if we die, how much better off are our heirs or beneficiaries going to be if we can pass on the idea that they can become their own banker? They could absolutely have a different starting point than you or I have had. And then plus we can put more tools in their hands to be sure via a tax-free transfer of wealth. So I hope that this subject of capital and capitalization has been interesting to you. If you'd like to be able to continue this conversation, don't hesitate to reach me at 828-817-4223. Or you can email durhamtalents at gmail.com. This has been an absolute pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care.